Blog Talk Radio. Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, I'm not going to say it. I've been saying it for about a month now. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I can't say it again, but I'll say it when I guess comes on. I'm sure I'll say it then, but we have an exciting, a really, really exciting show tonight. We have one of the best up-and-coming best-selling authors. We're claiming that tonight. And Oprah, if you're listening, and Brian, you know Oprah producers do listen to our shows. Oh, yeah. You better book her now. Get ready. Get ready. You better book her now. If you don't book her now, you're going to have to get in line with the rest of them. <laughs> I hear that. But, yeah, you know, we're going to have I, fun tonight. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think we're going to have a great time tonight. You know, we have a, you know, we're going we're gonna to have someone on tonight that, I think people would be inspired by, and I think also that she's gonna she's gonna birth some new authors out there just with what she's done in her life as an author. Yeah, you know what I I, I just really believe that she could tell me if I'm wrong when she when we bring her in, but her journey has not been an easy one. I'll just say that I I I just believe that, and. She's going somewhere, Brian, that, that a lot of people never thought that she would probably go. A lot of people probably never thought that she would write this book and birth this book. And even though people thought that, and she probably knew it, it didn't stop her. And I say all that to say this. Anybody that's out there listening, if you have a dream, if you have a goal, regardless of what everybody else say, listen to your father because he's always telling you that you're special. And he's telling you that you can have anything that you desire. And our guest tonight is a living example for a lot of people out there that are living in fear, that are afraid to attack their dreams and their goals. It can happen. It happened for her. And if you keep following her, I dare you to follow her, you're going to see where it's some, some really, really good results, and you're going to see her at the top. I believe that. Absolutely, absolutely. There's no denying that she is definitely going places. And for those that are just joining in, you're listening to the Abundance Solutions Hour, and tonight's topic is called, you guessed it, Girl No. (laughs) (laughs) And tonight we have our special guest, best-selling author, Lucretia Angel. And she's with us, and we would like to welcome you to the Abundance Solutions Hour. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Brian. If you, I, I'm I'm just bursting through the seams, ready to ask a question, but I'm gonna let you go first. <laughs> well, you know, I was I'm gonna let you ask the question about Girl Nall, but the question that I had was, what was your inspiration for becoming an author? Well, I would say that becoming an author finally answered the question for me. All the times that I cried out to God, saying, "Why me, Lord?" Um, with every test and every trial, I would find myself saying, why me, Lord? You know, people say you shouldn't question God, but I was a questioner. You know, I'm like, God, I don't understand this. God, this doesn't make sense. Why do I have to go through this, and why am I in doing that? God, was I that bad of a person? God, what could I have done in such a short amount of time of life to cause me to have to endure all of this? So as I began to write, and the things that are contained within Girl Now, all of those why lords became into focus because I saw that all of my whys increased my ministry. Mm. Mm. Wow. Brian, let me say this. She, she, you know what? She's taking us to church now. I, <laughs> I, I said I wasn't going to do this. But a lot of times when we're faced with trials and tribulations, now he said that they're going to come. Mm-hmm. He said that they're going to come. And a lot of times when things happen in our life, we, we, we give so much of the credit to the enemy. 
Because okay. oh, you, you hear people talk all the time. Oh, this is happening and that is happening and the enemy is attacking me. It's not always the enemy now. It's not always the enemy. Uh, the Father sometimes he'll do certain things to test you so that you can know what you're because he already know what you're gonna do. That's right. So a lot of times when you have to go through that dark moment of those trials or those tribulations and times that you don't understand and there's times that you have to be patient and there's times that you're just gonna have to just wait. And and during those times that's when your character is being built. And that's when that 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 you you get to know you, the real you. And a lot of times you'll find your purpose in that. And I really do believe that. So saying all of that, what was that what what was that thing that had you at your lowest point when you wanted to give up and say, you know what, God, I'm tired of asking you why. I, I I'm just walking away from this. Well, um, after going through failed relationships, enduring abusive relationships, you know, always being the one that seemed to be on the low end of the totem pole, always the forgotten one, always the misunderstood one. I There were times that I wanted to just completely give up and just let go and say, God, I've had enough. You know, I, I pulled out some scripture. Oh, Lord, I'm at my wit's end. The best thing ever happened to me is when my pastor preached that message because I learned a new term, you're at your wit's end. And I was like, God, I'm there. Didn't even know what it was, but I was there. <laughs> but I, I just couldn't. I said, Lord, I, couldn't, I can't take it anymore. But then I realized, I said, but, God, if I turn away, what am I turning to? You're my only help. You're my only strength. So if I turn, where do I go? And and I found that there there was nowhere to go outside of God. And so I remember I was sitting, and God just began to put it in my spirit to write a book. And I said, well, God, how am I going to write a book? I don't have a college degree. And, you know, the books that I have been reading, it always talked about, you know, what kind of degrees the authors had. And I said, I don't have a degree, and if I'm just writing, I don't always put my commas and my periods in the right place. How am I going to write? And it was just, it was on me so heavy, and it was just pressing and pressing. I said, well, God, okay, if this is what you want me to do, this is what I'll do. So I sat down at a computer, and I put my hands on the I knew nothing about writing whatsoever. I knew no authors. I had no training. All I did was sit down at my computer out of obedience to God, and I wrote the words, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> and the story just it began to come to me um, because Antoinette, she was a counselor, and at that time I was in that type of position where people often came to me for counsel. People often wanted me to help them out, but they didn't know what I was enduring. They didn't know what I was going through, so... Uh, Girl Ma was birthed out of who counsels the counselor. Mm. And that's deep because, you know, you never think about that. With all the the things that a counselor would have to hear and listen and counsel people on, you would think that some of that, it would be some type of transference where that counselor would begin to bear those same burdens. Mm -hmm. And so who would be there to counsel the counselor is the, is the question. Mm, that's 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 something that is deep, but you know what? Um, there's so many people out there that that were in that same position, and he spoke to them, and I I really believe that he'll speak to if he spoke to you he'll speak to them. Mm-hmm. I think you just have to to find that quiet space in your life where you're tired when you when you, when you get fed up, you you'll turn to him. Now you'll try a lot of other things to try to correct it. But when you're really tired and you're to that point and you say, I can't do this by myself, he'll step right in. He will. He'll step right in. But then again, you also have people that will turn to suicide. Mm-hmm. You have that. And mm-hmm. the people that hurt you in your life, they really left you for dead. Mm-hmm. I really do believe that. And we're just glad that you're walking in victory because if you would have done what they said that you would you couldn't do, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be having this conversation. The, the, the book wouldn't be touching uh, hundreds and thousands of people that are out there. 
So we're just glad that you listened to him and you followed him. And out of your obedience, that's why great things are happening for you now. Thank you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, here's my question. In everything that you've gone through, mm-hmm. would you change a thing? I wouldn't. I wouldn't change a thing because all of the things that I went through made me stronger and stronger and stronger and firmer. <laughs> and I can I can smile at a time when I used to couldn't smile. I can laugh and enjoy life at a time when people would say, what is she laughing about? Why is she so happy? Her life is jacked up right now, you know. <laughs> But I can laugh because the joy of the Lord is truly my strength. And I had to come to that place. If it wasn't for the tests and trials that I endured, then how can I help someone along the way? If it wasn't for all that I went through, how could I truly appreciate God? It's like you don't appreciate having air conditioning until you get hot. You know, so (laughs) except you go through things, you can never truly appreciate and know who God is. And I have found, you know, a lot of times God will allow people to come into your life to draw you closer to him because some people that come into your life is going to really, really, really increase your prayer life. (laughs) 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 Because you got to pray, Lord, just keep me sane, keep me. You know, keep my mind, keep me from killing this person. <laughs> but, God, I mean, is you draw strength through those tests and trials. And I always say there's nothing that we go through in life that we go through just for ourselves because there's always going to be someone coming behind you that's going to go through that same thing or something similar. And then you're going to be able to say, you know what, you can make it because I did. But if we just give up, you know, you don't know how many lives, you know, it's a domino effect. You don't know how many people that you may be causing to fail just because you don't want to stand firm and you don't want to go through anything. We don't go through anything for ourselves. Mm. And that's so sad. It, it, when when we've gone through something in our lives that was probably an ugly thing, Mm-hmm. You have a lot of people, a lot of women, Brian and I, we run into a lot of women on this show that have been molested and raped. They have gone through some ugly, ugly things. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing about it is that they're not keeping it to themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been delivered from that ugly thing or, those, or, or they, that thing that they struggle with as far as forgiveness. Yeah. And when they struggle with that, and now that they know how to forgive and they have peace and they have that joy, it's not for them to keep that to themselves. They need to tell their story because it's another woman or a little girl out there that needs to hear from them. And that's why it's so important for people like Oprah, people like yourself, to go out and tell people, this is what happened to me, but this was the answer to how I got out of it. Yeah. And that's so important. And, and uh, we're just so glad that you're transparent in, in your life with some of the things that you've gone through. And this book that you that you've written, oh my goodness, <laughs> oh my goodness, this is this is I'm telling you, Oprah, if you're listening, or your people listening, you better call it now. Book club material. <laughs> <laughs> you better call it now. And actually, there's somebody from the Chicago area that's on the uh, call right now. We'll call us. Hold on, we'll get to you uh, in, in a little bit. We just wanted to wrap some things up with her, talk with her a little bit, and we'll come to you. Brian, did you have another question? Yes, I was going to say, was there anything that uh, happened in your when you were younger that influenced the events that occurred to to position you into writing this book? Well, um, I was a teenage mother, and being that teenage mother, I was the one I had so many hopes and dreams, and I had goals. I was going to go to college. I was going to be in a sorority. I was going to be an attorney. I had all of these plans. And, you know, a bad choice caused me to be thrust into motherhood, pregnant at the age of 14 and a mother at the age of 15. But I was determined that just because I was a mother, 
I wasn't going to be what was labeled as the typical teenage mother, you know, the grandmother's taking care of the child, the girl's still going off doing her thing and could care less about the baby. But I was determined, you know, if this is what I have to deal with, then I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And so at the age of 16, I got married. And um, when I, I mean, it was like my life was just moving so fast. It was going so much. And then I was pregnant with my second child at the age of 17. And I remember going to school. Yeah, I was still in school, married, still in school, (laughs) with my, you know, getting ready to have my second child. And the teachers and the counselors, they would just look at me like, oh, she's so pitiful. Oh, she's so sad. They didn't care that I was carrying my baby to daycare every morning before school, you know, and picking her back up at school, being a responsible mother both at home and after, you know, thinking about her at school, calling, checking on her during daycare times and all of that. They didn't care. All they looked at me as was just another teenage student that's pregnant or has children. And so I began writing a book because at that time there were so many books out on teenage pregnancy. And um, everybody was saying, this is what it's like for a teenage mother, and, you know, this is what they should avoid, this is what they should do. But none of those books made sense to me because they were all written by counselors or professional people or people that are much older that were just giving their opinions on it. So I started writing a nonfiction book called Teenaged and Pregnant, a teenager's story. Because I said, you know, everybody wants to talk about what it's like for a teenager to be pregnant, but they don't know, so I'm going to tell them. And so as I started writing the book, I remember saying just what I said to you. You know, they don't care that I'm married. They don't care that I'm still in school, that I haven't dropped off. All they see is a teenager that's pregnant. But for fear... Oh, and not being transparent at that time because I dealt with low self-esteem for most of my life. So out of that fear, I closed that little notebook up and I tucked it away and thought nothing else of it. So I started writing songs. You know, that was just something that was always a part of me, writing. But when I got, as I said, when I got older, you know, I realized those, those gifts that God had placed within me, he wanted me to use them. But I had to gain that strength. So, I mean, my life circumstances as a teenage mother is what really thrust me into the arena of writing. Hmm. Wow. Wow. That's that's tough. That's tough. But the, the beautiful thing about it is you hung in there. And you I hung in there. And, again, uh, that's just an example of what can become if you believe and you yeah, give effort. That's that's something that a lot of these young young people don't understand. That even though times are rough and times get hard, they want to do something really um, out of character and stupid. They want to push and they want to make try to make something happen. Uh, and the best thing to do is just be patient and wait. It's a hard thing. It's hurt, it hurts <laughs> because you think you're being ignored and you just feel that it's not fair for you to have to go through a lot of these things. But, again, uh, just like you said, you made some choices, and there is a price for everything. That's right. There's a price for everything. But the good thing about it, Brian, is the ultimate price has already been paid for us. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's where we have to keep our focus on that. The ultimate price has already been paid. But, Brian, I see we have some callers on. If you want, we, you can go to some of them. Sure. Let's go to... Caller from the 773 area code. Caller, you are live on the Abundant Solutions Hour. Hello. 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 Hi. Hi. Uh, my name is Emma Higginbottom. Hi, Emma. Hi. I'm your author's mother. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mom. Hello, Mom. <laughs> oh, how you doing? I'm fine. I know you're proud of your daughter. Yes, I am. I am very proud of my daughter. In fact, I have two daughters, and her oldest sister's name Antoinette. <laughs> Uh-oh. Ah. Oh, okay. And my youngest daughter, which is Lucretia, 
which we call Kiki, I am Uh-oh. extremely proud of. <laughs> Let me write that down. Brian, did you hear that? I got it. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. But now, now, now Mom, I, I know you probably, tell the truth now, I know you probably shed some tears when you, were, you heard her talking a few minutes ago. Yes. I mean, you know how our heart just bloom up and get so big in your chest and feel like it's going to bust out. <laughs> and to say, this is my baby, I'm listening to. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, what are you going to do when you see her on Oprah? Well, Oprah's going to be blessed to have that young lady sitting on her go. stage. There you go. You know, because, I mean, uh, a lot of people turned it around and said, oh, I'm so blessed to be on Oprah, but the people make Oprah. That's right. And mm-hmm. so when she comes up on that stage, Oprah will be blessed with one more young lady that's pushed past everything else. That's right. And that's so, right. you know, Absolutely. we have to realize where our blessings come from. It's not us. It's the people that make our lives uh, to be what they are. That's and, right. And that's so I'll be happy to see her standing in the White House with our Uh-oh. president, Barack, you know. Uh-oh. See, I don't see no limits. I never taught my children limitations. I always taught them that God is able to do anything but fail. That's right. So the we, have to, limit. We, we have to believe that, you know. Yes. And mm-hmm. we have to act on it. And, and, that's, and uh, you know, it's such a beautiful thing to hear a mother and a daughter. For And I know it's a proud moment, especially for the mother to sit and listen to her daughter knowing that she had some, some rough obstacles that she had to overcome, but also knowing, too, that that as a mother, the foundation was, was there. The foundation was built a long time ago, and seeing your daughter now standing firm on that foundation is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yes, it is. Yeah, so we'll, well apply both know, of you. Our family is a, has a history of strong black women. My mother was. I am, my daughter is, her children will be. So the Bible says you have to speak those things as though they were. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Now, Kiki, we see where you get it from. <laughs> <laughs> we love it when moms call on to the call into the show. <laughs> now we're not gonna we're not gonna ask you about the, the embarrassing moments when she was a little bitty girl. Some of the things. Oh please no no uh uh-uh, uh we ain't gotta act like that. <laughs> no we won't do that. No, we, we got we, enough. We got enough. Brian, we know about the mud pies she used to make and try to eat when she was a little girl. We know about all of that. Yeah, we know about that. <laughs> she didn't do that. She was raised in Chicago. She didn't know nothing about mud pies. Uh-oh, oh, snow pies. Well, she had snow pies then. <laughs> snow pies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Mom, thank you so much. If, if if you had a comment, if you had a question for her, you know, it it will be really, really nice if you had something that you, or something that you just want to say just to her. Yes. Uh, Kiki, when can we expect the next book? I mm-hmm. mean, everybody here is waiting. They they have girl now. And everybody's asking me, well, when is the next book? When is the next book? So we're desperately waiting. Soon. <laughs> just, just, that's it, just soon. It's coming soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you all for my call tonight. Thank you so well, much. Well, we thank you for joining us tonight. Yes, thank okay. you. All right. Good night. Thank you. Brian, I see we have another call from California. Yes, we have a caller from the 562 area code. 562, you're on live with the Abundant Solutions Hour. Caller? Hello? Yes. Yes. You're live on the Abundant Solutions Hour. I guess she's just listening. Does she have a question for I guess? All right. Well, we say stay with us. Don't hang up. And, uh, you know, it's funny, Kiki. Uh-uh. <laughs> and we're going to mess with you all night with that one. But, you know, it's funny that <laughs> that, uh, let's see, you made me forget my question. <laughs> well, I got one. I'll ask her one while you're you trying to remember that one. Now, when you look back over your life, when you look back over the things that you struggled with, that you had to uh, overcome, and now when you go out and you're speaking and you see other little girls in that same situation, do you see yourself in them? And, or do you uh, want to just run up to them and hug them and say, girl, you could do this? 
I do. I do. I see myself in a lot of young ladies. And it God has given me such a love for young girls, especially teenage girls, you know, especially those that deal with teenage pregnancy. You know, I always try to encourage them and let them know, hey, your life is not over. Because a lot of teenage girls fall into that rut, oh, now my life is over. And some of them say, well, I've already messed up. I'm just going to be buck wild. And then there are some that just go into a reclusive state. But I always try to encourage them and say, you know, you can achieve anything you set your mind to. Your your situation doesn't hinder your ability. Just keep moving forward. So, yes, I have a very strong compassion for young girls. And also, my, I have a 17-year-old daughter, and so I stay on her. I constantly tell her how proud I am of her. She's a, you know, she's an honor student. She's been in the National Honor Society as long as she's been in high school. In all in middle school, she was in the Junior Honor Society. She's been in the gifted program as long as, you know, she's been old enough to be eligible. And I tell her all the time, she's at work right now, you know, I'm proud of you. Continue, continue on to achieve your goals. Know that all this other stuff can wait. You know, the time is going to come for that. But right now, focus. Focus and don't stop until you achieve those goals. I have two smaller girls, and I continue to encourage them. You know, if they're in trouble and they come with their head hung down, I always tell them, don't ever come in my presence with your head hung down. Lift your head up. Walk proud. Be proud of who you are. There's no reason to ever hold your head down because you're beautiful and you're smart and you're wonderful. And so I do. I try to always encourage and uplift young girls and young boys alike. Yes, yeah. I was going to say, um, how did, when you wrote the book, how did it affect your family? Because I hear your mother ask the question about when's the next book coming out. You know, and a lot of times, you know, and I, of course I didn't know you had an older sister who you named in the book, you know. Yeah, so That's her middle name. <laughs> that's middle name, okay. Well, but again, you know, a lot of times uh, what we find is when authors write, and they write about things that could be close to the truth. Uh-huh. Now, a lot of times they get back, or as if they write true things about family and things that happen to them, that they get a lot of backlash from their family. So how was the reaction from your family when when the book came out? Well, um, I actually had a very good reaction from my family. Um, my My mother and sister and my children, my children in particular, they were all just extremely proud. They were going out telling everybody, you know, she wrote a book, she wrote a book, you know. And there was just this excitement and this joy that came with my, you know, with my family. My sister actually was extremely proud. She was, you know, telling her husband, yeah, guess what the main character's name is? It's Antoinette, you know. So then I had nieces and nephews going, you know, you got my name in there? You know, everybody wanted their name in it. If their name isn't in this one, they want it in the next one. Everybody wants to be named so that they can say, that's my auntie's book or that's my mama's book. My son literally took the books to school and sold them to his teachers and principals, and they wear the girl and all T-shirts to school. I mean, (laughs) they're just all over it. I was in the grocery store one day, and I had on a T-shirt with the book cover on it, and I noticed this young boy just kept staring at me. And I'm like, okay, you know, what's going on? And finally he goes, uh, I know somebody that I go to school with. His mama wrote that book. And I said, I wrote this book. And he goes, you're Larry's mom, you know. And so that made me feel good to know that my son was out there pushing it as much as he was, that people would stop me in the store to mention that they had heard about it from my son. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. So yeah. I would definitely uh, label that one as a a good thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was a, yeah. that was a wild moment. I would say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was. Have you ever thought about producing writing um, plays? Because I have the book and I can see this as a play, as a beautiful, beautiful play. Yeah. I mean, you know, we we really need to talk about the book. Um, Tell us a little bit about Antoinette, and don't tell us too much because I want people to buy the book and um, tell them about, you know, just just mention some of the things that Antoinette, who Antoinette is and what she's going through. 
Okay. Antoinette Walker is the main character of the story. And Antoinette is a counselor for women. And most people don't, don't understand, you know, her purpose for being a counselor actually was part of her healing process. Her healing and the things she endured is what caused her to want to counsel, you know, because she knew what she wanted, what she went through, so she wanted to be able to help other people. But, you know, as often what Antoinette deals with is what many of us deal with. When we go through different situations, we apply a Band-Aid to that situation rather than dealing with it and allowing the healing to truly begin. And so Antoinette's main issue is forgiveness, you know, being able to forgive not just this one or that one, but everybody who played a part in shaping her future, everybody that had ever hurt her in any way. Antoinette would hold on to those things, and not only would she hold on to the things for the ones that have hurt her, but it caused her to be cautious with other people that God brought into her life and other people that she met. You know, and so Antoinette was a very real person. You know, people looked at her life and said, you know, she had it going on. You know, she's got this nice house and her husband got a good job. And from uh, ladies, I'm telling you, from the book, Maurice looks good. <laughs> and so they looked at she has this handsome husband and, you know, they're making good money. So her life should be perfect. But it's when you get inside of Antoinette's life and you get to see what she's really enduring on the inside, then you understand that the makeup on the outside can never mask the ugliness on the inside. Wow. Wow. And, you know, strangely enough, that that is the the picture of many women out here today where they hold inside their pain and their fears are, you know, never dealt with, and, you know, they look all pretty and prim, like my mom would say, and on the outside, but in the inside, they're they're truly hurting, and they're in pain, and there's no one that will, you know, first off, they don't really tell people that they're in pain, mm-hmm. so they hide the pain, they mask the pain, like you said before, you know, and so the pain just grows, you know, worse and worse until they just can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so what would you say to a woman who may be in that situation where they can't let everybody know how they're, you know, how the pain is, how the pain feels. You know, they can't tell anybody because for fear of maybe rejection or rebuke or what have you. You know, what advice would you give to that woman? I would tell that woman you have to have an outlet because as long as you hold everything in, it becomes like a cancer, and it eats away at everything within you. I remember being in a situation um, with the abusive relationship that I was in, and um, as God was bringing me out of that relationship, I remember looking at that man and saying to him, I feel like you have gutted me like a fish. You have taken out everything within me that I even thought was good. And that's what that unforgiveness leads to. You know, you don't have to have the other party there affecting the wound. But when you internalize everything and not have that outlet, it just eats away at your very soul. And, you know, you put that Band-Aid on and you say, oh, I'm over it. But as soon as you see someone who has hurt you, or even if you look at someone else that's in a situation similar to yours, you can't be, you know, you can't be biased. You can't say, oh, well, it's okay. You can't judge it righteously because you're going to look at it through your eyes. You're going to look at it through your hurt whether you try to or not, you know, if you're in an abusive relationship and then you see another woman that's going through it, oh, you're going to strike out in extreme anger because you haven't dealt with what's going on on the inside. But, see, I found out that God allows us to come to a place where those things that are buried inside begin to come up. You know, everything buried will one day come up. And just like a, a plant, once it begins to scratch the surface, 
or like a weed, I would say. You have to get down and you have to pull it up by the roots. You can't just deal with what's on top. But it's once you get down to the root of the matter that you're able to break free of that thing. I was in a situation to where um, I was just going for a ride. I mean, it was like on a Sunday afternoon, me and the children were just going for a ride in the car, and I passed a prison. And at the time when I passed that prison, I, had, I knew someone that was actually in that prison. And that person that was in that prison is someone who had actually harmed me as a child in a very unnatural way. And so I found myself just riding past the building, And, I mean, you couldn't even see the building from the street, but just knowing it was there and knowing what it contained. I mean, I couldn't stop the tears. I found myself just horribly sobbing. And I'm like, God, what is this? And God was putting in my spirit, in order to cleanse you of this, I have to bring it up in order to bring it out. As long as you allow something to stay buried, you will never be healed from it. So you have to have that outlet. You have to let it go. If you can't talk to nobody else, close yourself in a room and scream out to God. There are many times where I had to wear that beautiful mask in front of the church family or in front of my friends or in front of my natural family. And when I got to myself, I took that pillow and I covered my face and I screamed out to God with all that was in me. Times that I was breathless crying out to God, saying, God, help me. God, move this situation. God does hear and answer prayer. But I couldn't just hold it in. I had to have that outlet. You've got to let it out in order to be healed. Mm. And there's so many there's so many people out there that's doing that, too. I was talking with a young lady a couple of days ago, and she told me I, last night I was about to lose my mind. I said, what's going on? She said, it's just some things that I've been wrestling with. And I respected her because if she wanted me to know what those things were, she would have told me. So I never pressed for that. And I told her, I said, well, what what happened? What did you do? She said, last night was on me so heavy. All I could do was just cry out because I felt like I was going to lose my mind. And after I did that, I felt so much better. Mm -hmm. She said she felt so much better. And there's a lot of people out there that don't know how to cry out. They don't know that he's available 24-7. They don't know that he's the one that's been protecting them the whole time. And a lot of times they don't know that they're already walking in victory. That's right. That's right. And how many, and the question is, was it that you stayed focused on the past instead of being focused on the future? I couldn't see the future because I was stuck in the past. Because the past had affected me so much, I didn't see a future. When I would be asked the question, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in ten years? Those were questions I never would answer. And my reason for my excuse for not answering them, I would go, well, you know, God says tomorrow is not promised. But it was because I had been you know, throughout life, just from different ones that entered my life, different situations that I went through that I couldn't see tomorrow. I don't know that if it was so much that I couldn't see it or if I didn't want to see it because I expected it to be more of the same. And so just being able to, I mean, the past had such a bearing on me that the simplest thing, I would see something on TV. I would watch a pregnant girl on TV and I'd start crying. Or I would see somebody being molested or I would see a woman being abused on TV and it would affect me. And I'm like, God, what is this? And then I would have people to come to me and, oh, God forbid, a woman comes to me to talk about a husband that's doing her wrong. Then I had to pray, oh, God, help me not to take on what she's going through because I know me. You know, and then you find yourself not giving wise counsel. You find yourself giving opinions because, oh, well, this is how I would deal with it because you haven't dealt with the hurt that's going on within you. But I said, God, in order for me to be an effective minister or to be effective in these other people's lives, I've got to let this go. And so I simply said, I didn't say, oh, great Father, thou art holy. I said, Lord, help me. (laughs) I I broke it down real. 
But God, I feel like I, I want to kill this man. Or, you know, God, if he crossed my path, I don't know what I might do. Or God, let him say the wrong thing. Just give me the opportunity. If I didn't think I was going to jail, you know, <laughs> God, I would do this and I would do that. So, God, I need you to work on me. You know, and I often, I don't tell many people this, but I've often had the thought, I thank God for my teenage pregnancy because having the responsibility of caring for my children is what kept me from suicide many days because I thought about my children. Wow. Wow. That's tough to hear. (laughs) Wow. It's needed, though. Yeah. It's needed. Definitely needed. You know, the thing that's that's so compelling about the statement you made is that most people call children mistakes. Uh-huh. You know, and they would call what happened to you a mistake. That shouldn't have ever happened. But even in even in God's, you know, how, how do I want to put this? God has a crazy way of doing stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Even in what people would consider and would call, you know, an unfortunate situation, you know, God found some benefit out of that. Yes. You know, and that benefit is, you know, way more than what we would ever even imagine it could be. Yes. I mean, who could have ever imagined that your children would be the reason that you're not dead today? That's right. You know, the same children that some people would consider, oh, no, she should have never had those kids. You know, and yet they're the so they're one they're one of the most important reasons why you're on the phone tonight. That's right. That's right. You know, even more so from the fact that okay, you you have a book and you want to promote your book, but you're telling your life story, and they're a part of that story. That's right. And so, without them, there is no story. The story has completely changed. You know the story that we would be talk that we would be talking about tonight, and that we are talking about tonight. It's it would be completely different. Yes. And so there was a reason. Yes. You know, I want to ask this question. Okay. What What goes on in the mind of an author? (laughs) Everything. I've heard someone say, in order to be an author, you got to be a little bit crazy <laughs> because your mind is always going. It's always racing. I mean, you see somebody walk down the street, and there's a story in that. You know, you hear somebody make a crazy comment, and it's like, it's a story in that. You know, so it's like you take everything that you endure, everything you see, everything you come into contact with, and you Figure out, how can I put this in story form? So, I mean, the mind of an author is always going. It's always ticking. And I'm telling you, when, especially when you write for ministry, you can't stay away from it too long because it follows you. It goes there with you. It invades your dreams. You know, you can be working on something else, and then, oh, here comes a character popping in your mind. Oh, remember me? Hello. <laughs> and so an author's mind is always going, always. <laughs> Let me let me let me ask this. And, okay. And, and and I hope people are listening, and and I know that you'll get this, but you know that the the things that the, all of the things that you went through, mm-hmm. all of the dark moments, all of the pain, all of the times that you thought that you were going to lose your mind, and, and the times that you thought that uh, our father didn't hear you, uh, all the times that you felt that you couldn't go to anybody and you thought about committing suicide and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did you ever think that God trusted you with those ugly things that happened to you? And uh, what I mean by that is you were chosen to have to go through that stuff. That's right. That's right. And he trusted you enough with those bad times that you wouldn't do anything to abort his plan. And I think if we look at it like that, Uh I think that changes everything. Because out of the billions of people that are on this earth, Uh he chose you for that. That's right. 
And that very that that ugly thing that caused so much pain is that same thing that will give you so much joy. That's right. If you're obedient. That's right. So I, I say to you, continue being obedient. It, it, and people probably laugh when they say, what are they talking about, Oprah? That, that's right. Her mom said it right. It's not so much that uh, your daughter would be blessed for being on Oprah. It's the people that are on and watching Oprah will be blessed from watching you. Thank you. Because of that, because of your journey. Don't ever, and I, and I, I say this to say all, I say all that to say this, Whatever you're going through in your life, don't talk bad about your journey. That's it, right. It, it, it's leading somewhere. It's going somewhere. That's right. That's right. Well, how can you say that about, you know, I'm struggling with this, and I'm about to lose this, and my health is this, and this is happening? No. Get your focus off of that. Yeah, that's right. That's Get right. your focus off of that and focus on the future and focus on him and what he promised you that he would do. That's right. Okay. And, and, uh, and, and my question is, what what was your mindset once you start feeling the peace that you so badly desired in, in your life? What was it like to finally be able to lay down and sleep a peaceful and restful night? What was that like? It was it was an experience like achieving your greatest goal. You know, achieving your greatest dream. Just to be able to lay down and not have to take two hours to fall asleep from my mind racing so much, to be able to know that all of this is helping so many people. I said, God, I think about Girl Naw, and I said, God, you loved me enough to give me a worldwide ministry. There is no church walls that can hold or contain the ministry that God has given me. I said, because one thing about Girl Naw, Girl Naw can go into the prison walls at midnight, whereas my physical body can't. You know, the ministry God has given me through the books is such an awesome responsibility, but it's such a great blessing because this book has been places that my physical body could never even imagine going. And I had to say, Lord, I thank you. I often tell people, when you get to the other side of through, there's truly a blessing waiting on you. There's a song on the other side of through. But, you know, people always say, I'm going through, I'm going through. Well, baby, keep going because when you get to the other side, you'll see that it was worth it all. I mean, I have had... I've had people, I work at a bank, I've literally had people come into the bank in tears telling me how the book has blessed them. I've had people sending me emails. One woman said, you wrote about my life, and I'm like, baby, I don't know you, but, you know, if it blessed you, amen, praise God. But, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's so surprising how many lives it touched, and there is so much of me in Girl Naw that you couldn't even imagine. You know, yes, it's fiction. Yes, a lot of it is, you know, intensified fiction. But there's a little bit of me in every, every character in that book. And I, I thank God for it. But, you know, just like Job, when God allowed Job to go through what he went through, when he told the devil, you know, have you considered Job? God knows everything, so he already knew that Job would stand. So the things that God allowed me to go through, he knew that I would stand. He knew when times would get so hard for me that those would be the moments where he would have to come and rescue me and carry me through. But he knew God thought enough of me to give me this ministry. Mm. And I have to thank him for it. That's right. That's right. And you hear hear so many people talk about Oprah. I want to be like Oprah. I want Oprah's billions. I want this. I want that. I want to be the next Oprah Winfrey. Do you understand? There's nothing in her life that you can cut out if you want to be like her. That means you have to go through the same trials and tribulations because every little thing that happened in her life, every single thing, you can't remove any of it. That's right. No. Because all of those things are steps and building is like building steps to get her to where she is now. That's right. If you take out one thing, the whole thing may just crumble. That's right. So it's that's all right. it, 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 everything that's happening is perfect. If you stay focused and, and, and go through, like you said, you're talking about through, through, through. 
Mm-hmm. She didn't mm-hmm. stop. She still pursued what her dreams. And I did a speech about her a long, long time ago. And, and mm-hmm. I learned that Oprah used to travel around in her little area, the counties and in the cities and stuff, the surrounding counties, and she would speak. And she was only like maybe five or six years old. And she would get up before people and, and speak. Mm-hmm. She would go to different churches and speak. Mm-hmm. Now, why do you think the enemy was trying to stop all of that? He knew how great she would be, and he knew that how great that she would help other people. That's right. So anybody that's out there that you see on television that that are doing great things, trust me, there's a story that you don't know about. There, right. There's some tough, dark, dark moments in that person's life that you don't have any clue about. But the sad thing is the ones that are in the grave mm-hmm. that took everything, every gift that God gave them, they took it in the ground with them, and none of us know anybody. So all of us was cheated. Mm-hmm. That's right. So you're not cheating us. You're, you're, you're doing your thing. Yeah. But for those <laughs> that are listening that are not doing your thing, you're cheating You're cheating your, your, your friends. You're cheating everybody. You're cheating the world because there's something in you that's great that's that right. you need to let out. That's right. So, Brian, mm-hmm. get that book out. <laughs> he know he know why I'm saying. He know I know. <laughs> Look, he I was just why. talking to Greg about that the other day. <laughs> so he's right. I started with beep 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 beep. So <laughs> <laughs> it always it always started out with something small, and then you know he, he'll do everything that you can. So just do the best that you can, and everything else you can't do is that's none of your business. You just do the best that you can. That's, that's right. all. That's all required of us. That's right. That's all required. Yeah, and that's all you can do is what you can do, because any you know everything else is that you haven't learned how to do it yet. You know. Yeah, and Brian. Everybody is thinking about you know when you're writing your book. Everybody wants that book to become a movie and all of that stuff. That's great. That's great. But don't think about that too long because what you're going to do is think yourself out of doing it. Oh, that's I don't want to write this book. How am I going to get, what producers am I going to get? Don't worry about any of that. Just get started and let that take care of itself. That's right. It don't have to be the greatest novel written, because that's what a lot of people do when they start writing. They think this is the best selling, you know, this shouldn't be a best selling book. Okay, it will be. Mm -hmm. But don't let the enemy tell you that it won't be, and then you'll stop. Go ahead and try it and do it anyway. And let him, and let him be the judge of that. That's right. Do you have Do you ever have like seminars and workshops where you go in and you teach the girls and you, or, or men? Uh, you teach them how to have that mindset of wanting and desiring a thing. Is, is that something that you would be interested in doing, or is that something that you're doing now? Well, that is something that I'm definitely interested in doing. Um, I did participate in a Living Your Dreams Now Foundation Literary Arts Seminar along with author uh, Sheila Ellipsy mm-hmm. a couple months ago in Memphis. And what it was an all-day seminar basically, you know, motivating people to live your dreams now, whatever it is right. that you hope to accomplish and you hope to do. Get out there, get started, get going. And there were several authors on the panel that basically everyone, every person's part could literally take a person from concept to publishing. Mm. And so um, that was a blessing to be able to participate in that activity and just let people know if this is something that is truly in your heart to do, especially if it's something that God laid upon your heart, all you do is allow yourself to be the vessel, and God will work through you. You know, I often say that God is the author. I'm just the vessel he used. What I found uh, in writing Girl No, there were times that I got often very discouraged, and there were times that it seems like it just would not come together for nothing in the world. And it's at those moments that I prayed and I said, now, God, you told me to write this book. You put on my heart to write this book. You reassured me through your word that this is what you wanted me to do. Now, I'm at a standstill, so I'm going to step out of the way, and I'm going to allow you to take over because you know what you want the people to hear. Mm, not what you want them to hear. 
not what I want them to hear. <laughs> I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that's really, really, um, really, really important because we have to move out of the way a lot of times, and a lot of times we are the ones that stop in ourselves. That's true. We are the ones that second-guessing what we've been told that we can do. We second-guess it. That's true. And we think our way out of it, and then, then when things will start happening for other people, and the first thing that we say is, oh, these things are happening for them, but they're not happening for me. Mm-hmm. Question the people that feel that way, what are you doing? Right. What are you, are, are you trying to do something? Are you moving? Are you just acting on something that, that's, in, that's waking you up late in the night and it, that thing that keeps pulling and drawing at you? What are you doing? You have to do something. You have to get active. That's right. So when are you going to start uh, writing your, your plays and your, your movies and that type of thing? I know, <laughs> I, know you, I know that's something that you probably you know, never thought about doing, but um, I, I think if he, if he gave you the book, he gave you everything else to go with it. That's right. Actually, even as I was writing Girl Now, it was so vivid, and it, I, I could see it so well in my mind's eye that I said, this would make, I mean, it would really come out if it was a movie. And I'm not just saying, you know, like you said, most authors want their books to one day be a movie. But I mean, to really get the full effect of it, I think it needs to be on the screen or on a stage somewhere, you know, to see it acted out, you know, to see Antoinette walk in and see what she sees and the effect it has on her, to wonder what is she doing when she slides that paper across that desk. What is going on? I think, you know, if we bring that stage or bring it to film, that it would really have an even greater impact. So I am praying and asking God, and I'm doing some research on screenwriting, so that I can fully achieve what God has for me. Awesome. And people probably heard you what you just said, and I'll say this to confirm what you what you're saying. God tests the enemy tempts. That's right. So he yeah. he's not going to tempt you. He's not going to show you something and not bring it to pass. That's right. He he's not going to he's not going to show you something you can't have. You. <laughs> if you said you can have it. That's right. <laughs> And then you have some people say, well, how do you know it's from him? Was it good? Was it all good? Was it something that's helping people? Was it something to glorify him? If you say yes to all of those, then it was from him. You know what I always say? (laughs) I always say that. If it came from him, then there's no added sorrow. There you go. That means it's not a burden once you get it. That's That's right. That's right. That's it. We have about two minutes. We need to get your information for people that want to get your book. And uh, also for people that may want to just call you in for speaking engagements. Okay, okay. Do you have yeah. an email address or, or something that you want to give out? My email address is author at lucretiaangel.com. Um, my website is www.lacriciangelle.com. Um, I'm on Facebook as well as MySpace. On MySpace, I'm myspace.com slash author Lucretia. Um, also, my book can be found on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Target.com. You can purchase it through my website for autographed copies. And um, I am available. Send me an email. I'd be glad to respond to you. I'll be glad to talk to you. And I'll be glad to minister as God leads all right, awesome, awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, Lucretia Angel. I forgot to ask you a question also. What does Angel, what what does that mean? What Angel comes from is I've often said, you know, when my book was initially released, it was released under the name of Peters, Lucretia A. Peters. However, just like Paul, I had a Damascus Road experience. And how he went from Saul to Paul, I went from Peters to Angel. Because I said, with all that I have endured in my life, God knows I have had to have angels watching over me. So that's where Angel comes from, the angels of protection that God has surrounded me with. Awesome, awesome. With that being said, you have been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you so much for joining us tonight. And we thank you, our special guest, Miss Angel. (laughs) 
And, you know, we, we appreciate you coming on with us tonight. And we ask all of our listeners that you please join us again on Monday evening, 9 p.m. Eastern, where we'll have another show where we help others be more, do more, and have more. Thank you, good evening, and God bless you all. Bye, Kiki. Ha, ha, ha.